Hello, ladies and gentlemen. We are back with a special, special episode. I feel like Spurs doesn't get enough love on the podcast because obviously I'm an Arsenal fan, Luke's a QPR fan. So we thought it'd be time to get a Spurs fan on board to talk all things Spurs. Sonny, how are you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm doing well. I'm looking forward to chatting about Spurs. Positive season so far, even from an Arsenal fan, you must have to admit that. And a QPR fan, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that. Not doing too well, are they? <laughs> They're here and miss. <laughs> no, not too well. Not too well. I mean, we're, we're turning it around slowly, but surely. In, in Marty, we trust. Um, yeah, Sonny, just talk a little bit about yourself, what you do, where we can find you at. Yeah, so basically, uh, Sunny Talk Spurs on YouTube, try and upload every other day as much as I can, because I also work for TalkSport as well. So always quite a hectic schedule going on. But yeah, check me out on there, YouTube, Sunny Talk Spurs. Lovely stuff. Exciting times at the moment at Spurs. Um, but I think we'll sh- we'll start with a bit more about your kind of, I don't know, Spurs, uh, being a Spurs fan, just with some quick fire questions to get going. So what is your favourite Spurs memory growing up? Do you have one that kind of sticks out? I'd say growing up, I feel like more recently, probably the Champions League semi-final against Ajax because yeah, big. Just the, it was just the most Spurs thing ever of like going like 3-0 yeah. down on aggregate and then turning it around in the last minute. Uh, just will live long in the memory. That felt like our final. I know we didn't lift the trophy and it didn't end up how we wanted to, but for little old Spurs to get to a Champions League final, semi-final, go on that run we did, beating City, that's pretty much up there. And then a bit further back, I'd say, you know, Modric, Bale, Bale in the San Siro, just tearing it up. Again, little old Spurs going to the European Champions at the time and scoring a hat-trick. It was just like sublime. And that was when I was like quite a bit younger. So, and my proper like, thinking oh Spurs a big team now probably probably people would answer no to that nowadays <laughs> yeah. but still but I was like are we getting somewhere are we going to be doing this year in year out but it's never <laughs> it's easy something as I happening say. here yeah uh you mentioned Modric and Bale um you got a favorite Spurs player or just fa- favorite football player in general when you were growing up uh I, I have like four I, I see I've got like multiple answers to these questions I, I love yeah, the five that's good I love Defoe. Defoe is just like I think I think he's like heavily underrated due to like he just played for so many clubs, banged goals yeah. in wherever he could. So I he's can. up there. Exactly. Um massive fan of Ledley King. Just just the, the thought process when I was younger, like this guy doesn't train. He's always injured, but yet he was playing week in, week out. I just couldn't get my yeah. head around that. Um Wayne Rooney, I was always a big fan of because I was, again, because I looked at Rooney and thought, he's not built like a footballer. I don't know why. I always used to think of it like, this guy shouldn't be a professional footballer, but he was we just... We were talking so about this on the pod a couple of weeks ago, how like 16-year-old Rooney was built like a 35-year-old man <laughs> and nobody talks about that. Like the Luke Littler of football. Yeah, like nobody talks <laughs> so about true. that. It's crazy. But yeah, yeah I'd say true. them and then, yeah, just, yeah, I'd say that those are my top three, really. So yeah, two that's Spurs. Solid, then, yeah, it's a solid, solid lineup. Um, So I think we should uh, get into Ange Postacoglu because I think he is the man at the moment and kind of the reason we're doing this video because he's, yeah, he's an exciting manager. I want to know a little bit before you got Ange in. So you're going into the summer, Conte's gone. Harry Kane's leaving. Is it your director of football or that he's like just been done for dodgy dealings? Uh, so it was Fabio Paratici who, it's hard to know what, he was sort of like a director of football type. Yeah. 
it's sort of hard to know what he was doing, but now he's still involved in the club. I'm not sure how legit all this stuff is. <laughs> it seems all like, you know, under the carpet yeah. sort of dealings. But so yeah. going into summer, it was kind of like a weird time. How were you feeling kind of going into summer with mainly Harry Kane leaving and not having kind of a set manager lined up? Well, that's the thing, because I only launched my channel this season. So I was thinking to myself, time, yeah. well, we're going to have like a massive head loss moments because last year was just last couple of years, not to sound woe is me, but supporting Tottenham has been a struggle. Like it's just not been good enough football. It's just been absolutely dire week in, week out. Mm. Um, just, you know, having Jose Mourinho, Nuno Espirito Santo, where people yeah. forget Conte, Stellini, Ryan Mason. Like it just, Ryan it was just crazy. weird. It was just weird. And then, obviously, bringing in Ange Postacoglu. And at first, I was like, oh, God, like, like, this guy has been unreal at Celtic. Yeah. Is he going to translate into the Premier League? Like, this really attacking football. Which Tottenham, you know, Tottenham don't ask for much. Like, we don't get trophies, but we ask for attacking football. We've been known yeah. to have some of the best strikers, attacking players like Van der Vaart and players like that. Um, Bale, Modric, we're mentoring all these players. So we're used to, like, having a good standard of football. Yeah, 100%. If it doesn't get us anywhere. And we, what with Kane leaving as well, especially on the eve of the Premier League, you know, I didn't think, you know, when some rival fans and neutrals were all going, Tottenham are going to finish ninth. I thought, no, with the quality of player we've still got, yeah, that's the thing. With the quality of player we still have, I believe by the likes of Sun would improve. Yeah. Getting Madison was an impressive like signing out of nowhere. I, I had faith we'd finish around like sixth. I thought sixth would have been like the best. Yeah. Like, that would have been impressive. Like That would have been over the odds. But being where we are at the time of recording, fourth place, Aston Villa on our tails and Man United, yeah, I would have snapped anyone's hand off. I've been so impressed. Um, I think Anne just proved a lot of people wrong. You know, I think there's a stat that's been go- doing the rounds. We've, I think, gained 15 points and lost 15 lost. points yeah, this I season. Yeah, Crazy. So, Classic <laughs> like, that... That's Angeball in a nutshell. Yeah. Angeball and Spurs basically match hand in hand. So, yeah, it's been exciting, but there's still a lot to work on. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, the the biggest thing he's done, it, it, like the turnaround, it can't be understated. I think mm. sort of things were looking a little bit better for a while when Mourinho came in. And then obviously there was the whole sort of issue with him and, um, and when they got to the cup final, getting sacked to like, was it like a day before the cup final or mm. and then from then you lost that and then it just went on a downward trajectory you had some sort of like uh resurgence under content i think the last half of his first season there and then it was just was negative the football was negative i mean every manager you had in play just it was almost terrorist football it was just <laughs> set up at the back five at the back and just nothing going forward and lapsing into this season sort of the brink of last season the only player that was really putting up any sort of numbers was Harry Kane, as expected. Mm. Son had a really tough time last season. Came on, I think he scored a hat-trick against Leicester. Had him people, in my fantasy people, team. Yeah, people thought he was going to turn it around, and it never really did. He sparked into life this season alongside the likes of James Madison. I think Van der Ven has been an absolutely outstanding signing. You've seen the likes of Destiny Adogi really come through and play. He's probably been the best left-back in the league. Mm. Um so yeah, you're seeing a lot of these like sort of, I wouldn't say lesser known, but th- these teams, these players weren't like being cherry picked by other teams. Like James Madison, I think had a little bit of interest from Newcastle, 
But he's come through and absolutely just blown the league away this season. We knew so what good. he could do, mm. but no one really sort of went out there and got him. The Spurs have. So I think between that and Ange, your, your shrewdness in the market, I think it's just been a massive turnaround. And so that was that couldn't have been really foreseen. You had an um, 10 game unbeaten start to the season. So just following on from that, like after those 10 games, where were you? You must be in dreamland. Cloud nine, yeah. Well, I never, I'm very much a Spurs glass half empty sort of fan. Like, I just think, you know, don't, don't go too far, you know, keep going. Like, and then the bit moment it bit. gets good, but, I mean, you can go mental. That's the thing, because that Chelsea game, I've never seen anything like that. Like, mental. the injuries, the suspensions. And I just thought, here we go, beginning of the end now. So we've yeah. had, we've had this really nice run. We've lost two key players in Madison and Van der Ven. Um, we get suspensions for Romero and uh, Adogi. And I thought the wheels would come off a little bit. You know, we've gone through a massive injury crisis as well. Um, you know, it's been a tricky season. Like, And being able to navigate around this whole, you know, players going off to international tournaments halfway through a season. Yeah. But, yeah, going back to that, that first t- 10 games, because I had heard from a few different fans, like Selwick fans and, you know, Aussie fans being like, I'll give Ange time. It's not going to be an overnight thing. And I thought, all right. But then when we started as quick as we did, and like our passing had improved, our attacking numbers were up, all the metrics were going in the yeah. right direction. I was like, hang on a minute. What's what's going on here? It wasn't meant to be like this. So it's just nice to see attacking football. It's just so good because I don't, I don't care what people say. Like people will say about like Conte and Mourinho and that. Uh, like it was meant to be defensive football, but we let in like 60 plus goals last season. And, you know, if you're not winning now or doing well now with a team and a manager like that, then what's yeah. the point? You might as well 100%. go out there and, and put, because like, I keep having conversations with like West Ham fans because I'm, I'm, I'm originally from Essex. So I know a lot of West Ham fans and they keep saying like, oh, but Moyes this, Moyes that. And I'm like, but Moyes isn't going to be there forever. Like mm. you've got all these talented players like Kudos and Paqueta if they had such a like, if they, you know, and, they, and Moyes has won in that trophy, he's kept them up, he's done well. But if they went out and got an attacking manager, I think yeah. they would do even better than Crazy. they are already. You do, you just sort of need like that step and that leap, and we've sort of done that with our hundred percent. It's kind of like Bournemouth taking the leap and getting Iriola in. Like mm. they've got a team, and then with exciting players, and they've paired that with the exciting manager, and that's starting to pay dividends. But I want to go mm. back to bringing up Antonio Conte. So I've got an interesting kind of situation that I want to throw by you. So in Conte's first 12 games, he won seven, drew three, lost two. So a pretty good start for Antonio Conte. And like we were saying, um, Ange in the Prem, 10 unbeaten in his first um, uh, first season. What do you think is different in Ange's first 10 games to Conte's first 10 games where both of them have got good results but why do you feel like a lot more positive about that that's, that's a really good question and I think the answer's quite simple it's with Conte we always knew like last season when it was getting really dire and awful we sat there and you know when like people were like well why haven't Tottenham given him the money to sign a Bastoni why yeah. are they still playing Eric Dyer? Conte didn't admit he wanted to stay. He acted like he was doing us a favour, like being yeah. at our club. He thought he was bigger than the football club. And he might well be because he's won Premier Leagues. You know, he's won trophies everywhere he's gone. Same with Mourinho. But at the end of the day, we want a manager who wants to be there and yeah. sees a project. You know, there's all these rumours at the moment about could he play replace Jurgen Klopp. 
I don't think so yeah. because I was going to end with that, but let's talk about it. <laughs> but I, I don't think he will because no. I think you know we've we've signed players for him. Yeah. He wanted a quick centre back. He wanted a creative midfielder because Andrew signed a four year deal, which you know in football is quite long term now. It's not yeah. as long as Fergie or um, Wenger, but. In modern terms, that's quite long term. We want to build this team for him, even to the fact of Daniel Levy has taken a massive step back. We brought in Scott Munn as mm. a sort of de- to run the club day to day. We brought in Johan Lang as a technical director, Fabio Paratici's an advisor, and Levy's there to deal with Beyonce concerts and yeah. Formula One and Formula One go karting tracks. He's so good at doing that. Keep him in the business yeah. sense because that will generate our revenue, and hopefully, then we spend it on money. There's a reason why. In January, we were one of a few clubs who actually spent money. We bought in Dragerson, we bought in Werner on loan, and we bought in Lucas Bergval. You know, we beat Barcelona and Bayern Munich to these transfers somehow. But, Mm. you know, it's all this sort of like changing the atmosphere. Because last year I went to to the Arsenal game, funny enough. I went to the West Ham game. We won that one. But... The atmosphere at the stadium was toxic. There's like yeah. fighting in the, like um, arguing in the crowd and stuff like that. So it's just changing that vibe. And not many people are chanting Levy out. There will be people who, like I did a video the other week saying, oh, is Levy changing? And you'll get comments of people going, he's never going to change. Don't get too far ahead. But it's that whole energy and it's same vibe sounds like a lazy use of the word. I totally agree. I don't want to liken it, it to Arsenal too much, but. When mm. we were kind of having the toxic time under Emery and the start of the Arteta era, it was toxic. And you could see there was like a disconnect between the ownership and the fans. But that now me? that Arteta's kind of galvanised the club, you kind of see Josh Kroenke is kind of taking a more hands-on approach to Arsenal. And mm. now the, the kind of vibe, like you're saying at Spurs, the vibe at Arsenal is a lot more harmonious. And I think there is a lot of stock in that, that, if a manager can get a team playing exciting football, football that the fans appreciate, the vibe just becomes better. Even if the results aren't there, which Spurs and Arsenal, they both are. But even if they mm. weren't, if the vibe is good, fans do get on board. I feel like as well, you saw from the first minute of Ange's Premier League debut where this was going. You saw the attacking intent. You saw the build-up in play. You saw them playing through the the thirds. You saw the way that you were getting a number 10 involved. You saw how your wingers were actually getting to the byline and the cutting in. And you saw all these things happening. Whereas with the first 10 game of Conte's, I feel like there was a lot of results in there where you sort of scraped by and the performances weren't as exhilarating as Ange. And this is where Spurs are going. And you're talking about Ange going to Liverpool. I feel like as much for Ange as, as for Spurs, it's like it's too much too soon. Mm. He's literally gone from, he, he's working in um, the Aussie leagues, worked in uh, the J League, I believe, went to Celtic. He's come over to the Premier League. That's a massive step up. Mm. Even in however many years, it's a massive step up. And then to go from uh, Tottenham to Liverpool to replace Jurgen Klopp is a completely different story. He's replacing a manager in, uh, in Conte who was on his last legs, it w- it couldn't have got worse. Trying to go from replicating that to like to replacing, replacing Klopp, Jurgen Klopp yeah. is a completely different game. Whoever goes to replace Jurgen Klopp has it, it's everything, against them. Fill, everything yeah. against them. So he had everything to gain from this Spurs appointment. And you're reaping the rewards now. I think you sit fourth in the league, occupying a Champions League spot. I mean... You can't, you can't get better than that. You lost Harry Kane this summer. Do you know how mental that is? You lost yeah. Harry Kane mm. and you're like high flying. You're absolutely smashing teams, blowing them away. 
you got your Spurs back, no? I'd like to. I'd like to think so. Like whatever people think Spurs is, as I said earlier, better yeah. attacking football. Like that's that's all. That's all we Spurs fans really want. Obviously, we would like a trophy as well, but that hasn't happened this season yet again. But yeah, I think we're we're, we're finally getting somewhere. Like. I looked at our team last year and having Longley, Dyer, Ben Davis, it it just looked like it needed so much more. But as you were mentioning players earlier, like Adogi comes in for nothing from Udinese. Sars come in and like been one of the most yeah. underrated players in the Premier League. I think Vicario. this season he's been a phenomenon. Pedro Poro, who everyone wrote off as like it can he play in the back four has looked great attacking wise as yeah. well as defensively he's looked more impressive vicario some i i mean as soon as i heard david raya was going to uh, arsenal and yeah. we fumbled the bag on that one i was like what have we done why have we not paid what are we doing although david raya thinks actually still been a good acquisition for arsenal yeah i agree a 17 million rate uh, pound uh, goalkeeper from again Empoli, I believe. Yes, yeah, so who good. has come in and changed the way we play and been able to, you know, don't get me wrong, Larice, fantastic servant, Premier League captain, all I that sort of stuff. Club captain. By the end, he's yeah, like he could not like sometimes when we were playing out of the back under Conte. Yeah, you, it was it was suicide football. It was just it was too much. But Vicario just changes the speed of the play, brings players in. It's just changed. It's just what we needed. And now I look to the summer and we're still probably, like, don't get me wrong, we're still probably a couple signings away from, you know, consistent top four football and yeah. getting, you know, into a title race if people think we're in and around there. But we've got our defence set up for years. We've signed, you know, a 16-year-old from Croatia. You know, we're, yeah. we're finding players who are going to, you know, we've got our back line set for a good few years now. It's now about you know midfield and maybe then getting a striker to possibly replace Harry Kane if Richarlison isn't the man. I agree. And uh, on the defence, obviously Mickey van der Ven and Christian Romero are a bloody good centre-back pairing. Mm. Christian Romero, I've always kind of been split on. I think he is obviously very hot-headed, but obviously very talented. But van der Ven, he was kind of an unknown quantity to me when you signed him, but immediately mm. I was just blown away. So quick, so strong. How much are you enjoying having Van der Ven and Romero as your centre-back partnership? I mean, I think it's the best partnership we've had since Prime, Vertonghen and Alderweireld. Um, yeah. I because I, over, the, over the last couple of years, it's been a bit mishmash and just, you know, Eric Dyer, yeah. as I said, Eric Dyer, long lay, you yeah. know, there wasn't really a long-term plan. Romero sort of needed a player like Van der Ven to improve his game because mm. I feel like he was sort of being let out to dry sometimes. And don't get me wrong, he has got a hot head. His aggression is questioned, but you'd rather he, you know, he, it's, that's a good attribute as well on the flip side. Um, I just yeah. think Mickey Van der Ven is just, I can't believe how good he was. I really thought we were going to sign. It was between him and Tapsover in the summer, if um, if you, yeah. I think I can recall. So, and I thought it was going to be Tapsover. So the fact that we went out and signed him, and he's so, I just can't believe how quick he is. You know, it's proper needed so quick. the way like we've fastest player in the Premier League. Yeah, which is yeah. crazy. Uh, it's just what we needed because the way we play is so risky. Um, I mean, I saw the clip of yeah, the the what the what you mentioned there, the when he runs back, and it's like. Yeah, he just no. gains a shoulder on the player so much. Although the weird thing is, at the end of the clip, he does slide and go out of play. So I'm like, mm, maybe you're going too <laughs> yeah, quick there because you didn't clip. actually get just back. Cut the clip before that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
But yeah, he's so, a Rolls Royce. Moving on, or we, is he? We spoke about Andrew's great start to the season, those ten games, and then we we were saying for a while, especially that those first ten. Real test when you hit that first wobbly patch. We had that game against Chelsea where it went all a bit. It went a bit crazy. It was um, the weirdest game. That was like a combination of, like you said, injuries, the red cards, and then like your mental high line. You were on nine men and you were still playing a line <laughs> on the halfway line. I think genuinely that was like the best goalkeeper performance I've ever like, I've seen this season in the Premier League. And he could see four goals. I was like, saying to Luke nuts. that if it was any team other than Chelsea, any competent attacking team would have scored about 10 that game. But mm. Chelsea were just so weird. So, yeah, like we say, you hit that kind of rocky patch where Madison and Van de Ven are out injured. Romero suspended. And then you go back-to-back losses against Wolves and Villa. You must have been thinking, oh, like you were saying, this, this is like the downfall begins now. And then you come up against Man City. And I know Spurs have this kind of weird juju over Man City where Man City just can't get a result. Going into that game... Obviously, I think you... Did you start a centre-back pairing of Emerson Royale with Ben Davis as your centre-backs? Which is yes. absolutely mental. How did you feel going into that game after back-to-back losses and then your centre-back pair, pairing being those two? I mean, I think it was even worse than that. I think we, in those five games, we went 1-0 up in each of those games and went on to lose all of them. And I think that's a Premier League record, <laughs> which, is, which is crazy if you think about it. But yeah, going into that game, I really thought like... Harland was just going to rip us yeah. a new one. I just did because that was our thought. This is the year, isn't it? This is the year where, uh, don't get me wrong, they, 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 apart from the FA Cup game recently, they, you know, have struggled at home more than away. You know, last year we went 2 yeah. 0 up there at half time and they beat us 4 2. So there is, there is instances where it can happen. And I thought, yeah, they're going to destroy us. I spoke to my good friend, Kieran Collins, a Man City fan. He's always like, no, no, like you're never going <laughs> to, yeah. you know, we're always going to struggle. And there was just moments where you just think, oh, here we go. Here we go. But like LaCelso pops up and scores a yeah. goal. And it just, it just, conf- it's confusing. I think Angeball is just confusing sometimes because yeah. you mentioned the high line there against, like I've never seen a game where Chelsea were getting criticised more than us, and they won four one, and we yeah. lost four one. It was mental, uh, and it just it just is the way of the world with Angeball. It just seems to get a lot of praise, which a lot of rival fans don't like. But yeah, with the Man City game, just it was just good to show that we can't. Like I feel that is an underrated part of our um, of our season. We have actually faced a lot of top teams and got results against them. Like Arsenal was, I think we were quite good in the two-all draw. Yep. Um, Liverpool, we won, but obviously in controversial circumstances. <laughs> Manchester, yeah. yeah, exactly. Manchester United, we've beaten and uh, we drew at Old Trafford. So we've like we've got good results here and there against the top teams. Whereas last year, we'd turn up, try and sit in, and it'd just mm. be an absolute whitewash. Yeah, 100%. I mean, we said on the podcast that this Man City game... It's the perfect opportunity to stop the rot and really cement sort of it, what you are, who you are, what mentality you have. And to come out of that game, 3 all is ridiculous. It, that's the last-minute winner, uh, equaliser as well, which is... Uh, that's the yeah. way to do it, 100%. Um, we spoke quickly about the Liverpool game. Um, any thoughts? I mean, surely you've got to have some sort of thought on it because that was maybe the game of the season. I mean, it's 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 
It's a goal, isn't it? Like, I can't, I can't lie. Like the, the evidence is there. Like um, it, it is what it is. But the only thing I'll say on this, um, and I've got a like, Liverpool mate who gives me stick all the time, and I met him right before the uh, the Champions League final. I still think that Sissoko wasn't a handball. Yeah, so, you know, facts, to be fair, yeah. And it, so, so I'd rather have a Champions League win than a than a Premier League win over Liverpool. But it is what it is. At the end of the day, you sometimes you just get the luck, you know. And that was one of the perfect examples of it. Well, you definitely, you definitely built it. You buy your own luck, don't you? I mean, the way you play, you, for me, are without a doubt the, the highlight package of the season. Like, you, every, ta- every time Spurs play is box office. Yeah, and I think one massive factor of that is kind of how your mentality, we've mentioned it, has kind of changed under Ange. It's kind of like this never say die attitude. Down to nine men and you, you got a line higher than anyone else in the Premier League. Yeah, I think yeah, when you were playing that Chelsea game, didn't Ben Davis miss like a, a chance on like the eighty fifth minute to kind of equalise mm. or something with like nine men. And like the amount of last minute winners you've had this season or last minute equalizers, like we were saying in the Man City game, equalised in ninety plus whatever. In that Sheffield United game you scored two in the ninety plus whatever to win that game. Brighton just uh this weekend just gone, ninety sixth minute winner. You, you're in it till the end and you've got players now that want to fight for Ange. I think, like you said, there was a period where there was kind of unrest. Conte thought he was too big for the Spurs job. A lot of players didn't want to play for him. Now you've kind of completely flipped that. You've got a manager that I think not owes you something, but you took a, you took a leap getting Ange in. You could have got uh, a Nugglesman or, I don't know, whoever. But you took a, you took a leap on Ange and I think... That kind of balance where he, you've put your faith in him and he feels like he owes you and like the players want to play for him. You've got kind of a nice balance now where, and you've seen it on the pitch with like, like I said, all those last minute winners and equ- uh, equalizers. It's a good time. Exactly. I just, it's good to see. I mean, I don't know if you saw the end of the Brighton game, Vicario and Romero like grabbed each other. Yeah, going and mental, like, yeah. I've, I've not seen passion like that for Spurs for a, a lot of time, a, a long time, especially as you, you mentioned briefly before. Like, Harry Kane was the standout player last year. I don't think yeah. there was anyone who was on that same level. And that's just an ode to Harry Kane because he's such a good talent. But, you know, it seems like this season, and I was speaking to uh, on a podcast last night, um, there's not many players you you can point out in this Spurs team where you say who's who's been the worst and the probably the person you would point out yeah. would be Brennan Johnson but because he's new and adjusting to the team but I still think like he's turned up in big moments scored key goals I like, like, yeah, like I think like, it's really hard it's really hard to think of a player that's been not that good because they all yeah, have no, delivered in key moments, scored goals, defensive actions. You know, Emerson Royale has just been like, I'll keep calling him Tottenham Swiss Army knife. He's played centre back, yeah. left back, right back. He's just been a, an action man wherever he's gone. So, yeah, I think it's just been a good time to be a Spurs fan again. Yeah, speaking of sort of like surprise packages of the season and the, the individuals there, we spoke about Spurs putting their faith in Ange. Andrew's put his faith in one um, Richard Arneson, who struggled, <laughs> I think it's fair to say, upon his arrival to uh, Tottenham. I've never been his biggest fan. And I think quite rightfully, he's never really like kind of gone crazy. He's always been there or thereabouts in the Prem. Uh, it was, he was good at Watford. Um, Everton, he'd done a I job, think, but I like he's consistent nothing, nothing special. 
Brazil, he gets numbers, but I feel like I could play up top for Brazil and get numbers. <laughs> and then at Spurs, he was kind of, I don't know, didn't really hit the ground running for quite a big move, I'd say. Had a groin operation and has come back from that groin operation like prime R9. He what also you... had, um, I think he spoke quite openly about his mental, the mental side <sighs> of his game. Yeah, he mm. did. Um, which was, it was good to see. But I've, it's interesting. He's on, the only players in the Premier League who've got a better minutes per goal ratio are Mohamed Salah and Erling Haaland. Where do you stand on Richarlison? I've, I mean, I've I've been impressed. I was sort of at this level now where I, I thought I was one of the Spurs fans who was still giving him a chance. I was like, yeah. see how he gets to the end of the season. And like, a lot of Spurs fans were saying, maybe we've got to cut costs and get rid. Yeah. But... I mean, there were people saying at the beginning of the season, Richarlison is more of an Ange-type striker than Kane was, which sounds a bit mm. wild because we know how good Harry Kane is. But it's because Richarlison's more dogged. He wants to close players yeah. down. He's quicker. He's, you know... I mean, I think there's there, there was a stat, and I, I can't remember it spot on, but apart from a, a one or two goals, Richarlison's goals in this Tottenham team have all been one touch. They've all been zip the ball in, and he's sort of yeah. just like... And that's what you sort of need because the way that we play is the wingers and midfielders and fullbacks all get to the byline or the edge and they're bringing balls back in and they ricochet and pop back out and he's there to tuck them home. Yeah. So they're... Uh, he's one of those in... players that you can't let him think too much when he's in the mm. final third. <laughs> he's got to play off instinct and then mm. he'll get mm. goals. And like you said, I think it's an interesting one because he definitely is more suited to Ange because I can't imagine a world where... James Madison and Harry Kane play in the same team. They occupy yeah. the same spaces. And I think that would be a bit of a weird situation. But James Madison in this Spurs team, absolute, I, I, is mental that I think I'm a little bit jealous because when we were going between um, Odegaard and James Madison, and we went with Odegaard, I, 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 I still stand by it. I think Odegaard is probably slightly better, but I really, mm. really like. James Madison and what he's bringing to this Spurs team. I think he's came in and I think he thinks he's the main man and I love that from him. Mm. That's the thing, you know, he's already, he's like a vice captain. Yeah. He's got the, te he's got the 10 shirt from Kane. He's got that attitude, like the sort of like Gaza Tottenham attitude yeah. of like, you know, joking around being the, you know, the class clown sort of thing. There is a, there's a few moments where, like, in the Brighton game, I think he's trying to do it all, where it's just like, mm. just play your game. You, know, you don't have yeah. to maybe drop as deep. But it's just good to have a creative 10 back. You know, not since Ericsson, we've had a player who's been able to score a goal on the edge or thread a few yeah. few uh, through balls or something like that. He is just a breath of fresh air. And he was a massive miss when he went out injured. I think he, his scope of passing has completely just replaced what Harry Kane had. Like mm. Harry Kane was renowned for dropping deep. I think even watching uh, him in Bayern versus Leverkusen uh, this week, he it was dropping so deep. And James Madison has literally just filled that void. Mm. And it, in doing so, he's allowed you to then have a focal point yeah. in Richarlison, mm. in Son. I mean, you've even seen Madison drop back deeper and have Kulisevsky play in the 10. I think he he's almost like you said Emerson Royale's your Swiss Army knife. He does that as well. He does so many things. He adds so many different like like strings to your bow almost. He is absolutely ridiculous. I, I genuinely think he might be maybe apart from Kevin De Bruyne the best midfield in the Premier League. Cool. Attacking midfield anyway. Big shot. I, I genuinely believe that. I 
and it's such a sin that going into the Euros, England have got such a stacked midfield area. Yeah. But you, we've got to find a way of playing Rice, Bellingham and Madison, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Because that, that... What about Foden? Oh, mate, it's too many people. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but he's been <laughs> so, so good. So, so good. So That's you're currently thing. sat in fourth at the moment. Where, so obviously you said that you were thinking about sixth is what you were kind of expecting this season. And obviously fourth, you, you'd take that if that was the end of the season. What are your expectations for the rest of the season? So we've got, I don't know, like 12 games left. We're in beginning of Feb. So yeah, what are your expectations for the rest of the season? I mean, it's bold because... I, I think we can get top four because um, mm. the way I look at it is we have got a mad run. I've, I can't remember off the top of my head, but we're playing like Newcastle, City, Liverpool, Arsenal, like back to back to back Jesus. to back. Yeah. So, so that's going to be an absolute, what, what we could go, we could somehow get 12 points. We could somehow yeah. drop 12 points. You know, it's the way, <laughs> you don't be a predicting man around Tottenham at the moment. But I think what we need to do is, not let games like Everton happen. Like stop conceding these late goals. Mm. Work on the set pieces. Like I think in the last game we did show that we've now put a man between Vicario yeah. uh, and the defender who's trying to bully him. But I think with the teams in and around us, such as Villa, Manchester United, I think they're the other two teams who are competing yeah. with us. I think Villa won't be able to juggle European football. I think even though they can get into the top four and that's impressive, Emery loves a European trophy. And that will yeah. be like, uh, he, I think he will see that as a bigger achievement. And Villa fans would love to win a trophy. They're such a historic club. Definitely. And I still think with Manchester United, and I don't know if I'm being harsh, I still don't see what it's all about yet. No, they, they're picking up results here and there. but And Hoyland looks better and Garnacho looks better and... Um, Rashford and whatnot, but I still don't think they're amazing because even against Villa the other night, they just look, yeah. they just fall off in games. They no look style of play whatsoever. It's, yeah, it's crazy no. that they've picked up as many points as they have. Mm. Yeah, I mean, for me, Spurs are definitely the favourites out of Villa and or Man United. It's it's about keeping the team injury free. So maybe that's sort of where I'm heading with this is going into the end of the season. You said you were fairly active out of most teams in a fairly inactive transfer window. Signing Dragerson gives you a nice little bit of centre-back cover. Timo Werner is quite interesting. Gives you a different sort of option. I, I think Ange brought him in for his pace. A lot of people are uh, sort of attributing that as the reason why he was brought in alone. You got any thoughts on Timo Werner, sort of what role he's going to be playing going forward into the last leg of the season? I've actually um, <clears throat> pre-done a video on uh, Timo Werner and I've titled it, uh, so it's like, it's like you almost knew, uh, <laughs> I'm titling it like, why you're wrong about Timo Werner, not you two in particular, but probably fans well. in general. <laughs> I just I just think when I heard this <clears throat> transfer being announced, I was a bit perplexed. I was like, mm. what is going on here? If someone told me we would have lost Harry Kane to Bayern Munich and we'd be getting Timo Werner, I would have thought they would dreaming or on drugs or something yeah. <laughs> but uh i i i believe you know in in a in a time of the year where some was at the asian cup we didn't know how long he was going to yeah. be there they got all the way to the semi finals brennan johnson has been you know a bit hit and miss kulisevsky's been lacking some goal contributions as well um you know manuel solomon's out injured we've got rid of even perisic on loan our attacking options were not that amazing. And when you look at Timo Werner, 
And Postacoglu's team probably suits him a lot better than that Chelsea team ever did. And for, you know, and, and I didn't think he'd just be coming in to score goals. I thought he'd be coming in to run on the wing, stretch the play, bring some pace, um, and maybe pick up a few assists. I think he's already got two assists so yeah. far in the Man United game. I can't recall the other one. But he's been a nuisance. To me, he's been the B-Tech Darwin Nunes. You know, he's been, he's causing <laughs> a bit of, yeah, causing a bit of chaos, stretching the play. And with some bat now, he's just a bench option. At the end of the day, we've got him on loan for six months. Yep. If it doesn't work out, he goes back to Leipzig and what, what will be what will be. He also wants to get into the German national team ahead of the Euros, the home tournament. So That's there's true. that, you know. And if he does turn out good, which at the moment I'd be edging towards potentially signing him, it's only £17 million or yep. Euros. So what's yeah. the risk? Like, it's, I mean, it's I... not, and he's not a bad character, is he? So No, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't agree. I think he... He's he's well known for stretching opponent defenses. Like he will make them wary of playing a high line against you, and mm. he he before really played as an out and out striker. He knows where Richie's going to be. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. He's got goals in him. He will score. Like he will pop in with the uh, the odd uh, goal. Yep. But for me, I think he's a no brainer. It, there's no risk here, is there? Yeah, he's a good asset to mm. have, and it's great depth. I, yeah, I think you're 100 percent bang on there. I think it's a great little. Uh, January signing. Yeah, I agree. Um, so talking of signings, uh, let's say we're at the summer now. Um, what areas of this Spurs team are you looking to improve in the summer? And do you have any names that tickle your fancy? Uh, I'll be honest. At the moment, I think before we think about incomings, we've got to shift some players out. You know, okay. we, we were looking, we were looking at midfielders, weren't we? We were looking at Conor Gallagher, who controversially, yeah. I don't want us to sign. Um, I don't think he offers okay. us. I don't think he offers us enough for what we want in midfield um, in the sense of, I mean, he got a brace for Chelsea didn't he, against night. Crystal Palace. Yeah. But I, I, I still think, you know, for the money we're going to pay, 40 mm. to 50 million, I don't think he's worth yeah. that for what we need in a midfielder. But yeah, before then, we need to sell like the likes of Hoybier, you know, Joe Rodon on loan at, like, um, at Leeds, Tanganga. There's lots of players who are, you know, Tanganga's yeah, on Belay. We've got to get rid of some of these players. Our home quota is also an issue, hence why we signed Brennan Johnson. We're keeping players like Ollie Skip, or we kept players like Harry Winks for so long yeah. because our English quota is so all over the place. There's a, We've got two um, goalkeepers in our Premier League squad who are 25-year-old Englishmen because we need them there. Like Eric Dyer counts as Portuguese. Yeah. He's not a homegrown player. So we've got all these um, <laughs> issues to sort. But talking about incomings, I think one more midfielder would be good. Someone who can play eight and six because, you know, we've seen yeah. with Basuma and Benton Core, you know, they, they're not sometimes always fit. Um, so yeah, I, think I was going to say, they're, they're both very good, but you need another one of them to kind of compensate for their like slight injury proneness. But mm. they're both a very... Like, when they're on form together, that's one of the best midfield duos in the Prem. Especially but, behind James Madison. Yeah, exactly, behind James Madison. But obviously, you don't know how many games a season you can get all three of those together. So I agree. I think mm. another midfielder that can do what Bentacourt and Basuma do would be good. Um, Another area they've got to highlight, I think, is centre-back depth. Um, makeshift centre-back pairings of Ben Davies and Emerson Royale. I'm not sure how far that gets you. We know how prone Christian Romero is to suspension. Um, yeah, maybe someone like... Yeah, well, Dragazan, yeah. 
I haven't really seen enough of, like of him yet to make an to, informed decision. To be fair, we've got we've sent the backs. We have got now. So it'd be Mickey van der Ven and Romero. Then we've got Dragerson. Mm. We've got Ashley Phillips, who's gone on loan to Plymouth and looked quite impressive. We've got Alfie Dorrington in the Youth Academy. And then we've got this, um, I think he's he doesn't sign until, well, he's signed, but he joins next year, the Luka Vuskovic guy. Oh, yeah. okay, so yeah. there is some depth there, but it's, mm. it's the, jury, the jury's out whether yeah. like they're first in quality or something like that. And also it's just, unless you're Man City, I've never known a squad where you can get all these players happy. So and, it's yeah. hard to know who to, who, who do you bring in of that, of a calibre that is happy to be on the bench? And would you drop Romero or Mickey van der Ven? It's true. I mean, yeah, one of the names we were sort of toying with was Jared Branthwaite. Jared Branthwaite. I think he's going to be so a good. very sort of the name in the, in the summer window. Yeah, we've seen a lot of links with mm. Man United. But before we got linked with Man United, we did like a who the big six should sign. And we said Branthwaite for Spurs would be a good option. But who knows? Um, up top, obviously, at the moment, you're kind of playing either Richardson up there or Son through the middle. Do you Do you think Spurs stick with that? Going forward, or do you think in the summer you look for a, a out and out number nine? It's it's tricky because we've also keen to sign a winger. Obviously, yeah. we wanted that Antonio Nusa, but the deal fell through, and then he's got all these knee injuries, and Brentford didn't even sign him. So there yeah. is that. But out and out number nine. The problem is, and you know, you'll know this from being an Arsenal fan that you know. There's not many number nines out there for reasonable prices. Yeah. Like even like people say, oh, why don't Spurs go for Tony? I don't think we're in that ballpark. And then it's you've got crazy Victor. They want so much money for him, and when he's got like a year left on his deal, and he's slaying them every month, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. every game. And that's the thing. Like, and then who else is there? Victor Rogerman's a Real Madrid player. Mm. The player I touted was Dominic Solanke, but now I, I bet he'll, he'll be yeah. fifty to sixty yeah. million. So like, it, it, it's not. It's the striker market has got so out of hand because yeah. it's so vital and important. But it, I, I, it's hard to know to pick a name. I I take Solanke because I think he's quick. He's good in the air. He's strong. He'll do he'll do everything, won't he? He'll hold the ball up yeah. well. He'll, he'll you English know, as well sorts out that home quota. Exactly. So I think <laughs> him, but we're not. It's not going to happen, is it? Yeah, like, no. especially if Bournemouth continue big... going forward, and maybe yeah, like you said, Newcastle. I think. I've seen links with him to Newcastle as like a Callum Wilson mm. replacement. So I don't know. It's an interesting one. Um, before we round up, I think might as well ask for a rating out of 10 on Angie's season so far. Where are you? I'm going to go for an eight. I think eight's quite reasonable because yeah. it's been a great Premier League season. Uh, been fantastic. Um FA Cup was just a disappointment because it's just City, isn't it? Yeah, but I think we annoying. in that game, it was just frustrating. The reason it's not any higher than an eight is the weak team he played against Fulham yeah. in the Carabao Cup. And you look at that tournament and how far Fulham that, went yeah. in it. I think that could have been an easy option for Spurs to win a trophy. I know you would have had to play like a Liverpool or Chelsea in the final, say you were oh, mimicking day, it, but you can, well, you definitely have Chelsea, I reckon on your day. Chelsea look shambolic. And you have Liverpool, beaten Liverpool on your you've day. you Liverpool. So it's an interesting mm, one, but yeah, I, I think eight's, eight's a, a fair score. I think it probably about there. I mean, it, if it had gone, been any better than what it is, it would have been a 10. Like that, that's, mm. I mean, maybe even eight's underselling it. The amount of turnover that he had to do, the job that he's done yeah. in such a short space of time, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. He's yeah. only had half, like just over half a season. Shout out, Ange, mate. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So the Ange ball is truly and 
properly flowing now. Yeah. Um, Sonny, thanks for joining us. Um, we will never talk about Spurs again. This is one too many, <laughs> one too many Spurs podcasts for my liking. But um, hope all the best, apart from when we play you. Mm. Um, but yeah, if you wanna, do you want to just quickly plug your your socials one more time? Yeah, cheers guys for having me on. And yeah, I mean, what a, what a good time to talk about Spurs, even if it is for one time and one time only. But yeah, Sunny Talk Spurs on YouTube, usually uploading nearly every other day. Lots of different topics, lots of game reactions, exclusive podcasts. You can become a member if you are a Spurs fan on there as well, support the channel. Uh, and then Sunny Snelling on my um, social channels, Twitter and X and Instagram and all that sort of stuff, if you want to keep involved. Love yeah. it. We'll have everything down in the description below if you do want to check out Sonny. Um, but yeah, guys, thank you very much for joining us. It's been Board Draw. It's been episode number 85. 84. It might be 85. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> but yeah, up the Spurs. <laughs>